you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 18 this morning. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. Before we read it, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come to this place and worship your name. Lord, we acknowledge that in so many places around this world, there are peoples who, who love you, but Lord, they can't freely worship as we worship. They have to hide their faith in fear of being found out. And Lord, as we have your word before us, we know that around this globe there are many people who treasure just fragments would love to just have a fragment of your word. But even that is unavailable. Father, there's so many people around this world who don't have the word, who know the value. And yet here we are, Lord, with multiple copies of your word. And so often, we leave it sitting on a shelf not understanding the value that we have right here in our hands. Father, today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, let us understand the value of Your Word. Let us treasure it. Let us seek to study it and understand it and even apply it to our very lives. All of these things I ask in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, or 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. And if you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. The final words are important words. If there's one who is on their deathbed, they don't have time for frivolous conversation. Uh, they want their speech to be important. They want what they say, the final words that come out of their mouths to be 
very important and relevant. And, and so those words are words that we should hear and listen to uh, and make sure we understand them. In many ways, that's what we get here in Second Timothy. Second Timothy was a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, a young man that Paul picked up on the way on his missionary journeys, and he took him under his wing. Timothy had been with Paul for many years, learning from him, and Paul had set him aside for the ministry and actually had, had put him in a place of ministry uh, when this book was written. And so Timothy is now at a church, and Paul is in Rome, and 2 Timothy is believed as his final letter before he was actually executed. And so as he is writing this, and you, you get this in the book, if you read the whole book, you get this, that he understands that his time of departure is at hand. And he is, as he says here, he is being poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. And so these are his final words to this young man, his son in the faith. And Paul here, as he is working through this letter, he, he begins to tell Timothy that these are perilous times in which we live. He tells him and begins to warn him about the times that are coming ahead. At the beginning of chapter 3, he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, wicked, uh, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So he talks about, he warns him that sinful days are ahead, a, a time when people will kind of do their own thing. They may come in and, and have this appearance of godliness, but yet the rest of their lives is full of sin. They're not following God at all. Furthermore, he warns him about the tribulations that would come just, just prior to this one. Indeed, in uh, verse 12 there, Indeed, all who desire to live a God life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people, impostors, will go, from, go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So there's sinful times ahead when people won't hear the word of God, but will want to give in to the desires of the flesh and, and live those sinful lives. There will be tribulation ahead when they will seek to persecute you. In fact, when all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He promises that to Timothy, and he promises that to us today. If we desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, friend, we will be persecuted. We look at our world today, see the shape that it is in. You hear, even here in America, you see on the news people uh, belittling Christianity, calling us bigots and all sorts of things. And so we see even in our day that there's becoming more and more tribulation even here in America for Christians. 
Now, it's nothing compared to other parts of the world. We don't have to worry about uh, being killed, having our heads cut off, or being blown up, at least yet, for our faith here in America. In many places, they face that kind of trial and tribulation. But now we get even uh, a slandering of the Christian name here in America. So we see that we do live in such times, do we not? We are living, if you read this and just see all that Paul talks about, it ought to ring true in your own ear. This is the days in which we live. Now, Paul, he wants to then give Timothy this final word. And what we get here is, is something leading up to his final charge. His final charge to Timothy is this. I charge you, there in chapter 4, verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So his final command to Timothy, his final charge is this, preach the word. Preach the word. No matter what you face, no matter what trials may come, no matter what tribulations you may face, be true to this. Make sure that you preach the word. Preach it when it's in season, when it's well received. Preach it when it's out of season. Preach it when it's not well received, when people stone you, as Paul had been stoned many times, when they imprison you or beat you with whips. Regardless, preach the word. And so with that charge, we, we find then our passage here today, why he gives this charge, why it's so important for Timothy to preach the Word, why it's so important for me to come up here Sunday after Sunday and preach the Word, why it's so important for us to live in the Word day in and day out. And so we come to this passage, and we see the importance of this passage we see here today, and this is what I hope that we will learn, because the Bible is God's inspired word and is profitable for salvation and sanctification, study it with all your might. Let me say that again. Because the Bible is God's inspired word and is profitable for salvation and sanctification, study it with all your might might. So let's get into this passage then. First of all, the first thing that we see here in the passage, the first thing I want to bring out here is that the Bible is inspired by God. The Bible is inspired by God. It's his inspired word. Now, let me make clear here. I'm not just saying that God's word is inspiring, right? That's not what we're saying that, in saying that God's Word is inspired. It is inspiring, very much so. It, it should inspire us to do lots of great things, but that's not merely what I'm saying when I say God's Word is inspired, right? Um, Amazing Grace is a wonderful hymn, and, and it's inspiring, but it's not inspired. It's not inspired. So, God's Word is more than just inspiring. It is inspired. We get this from what Paul says here 
in verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now that word there, that, that verb, breathed out by God, in the Greek is, is one word. It's actually two Greek words kind of crunched together to make one word. And literally, it, the word there is, if we translated it literally, would be God-breathed. Scripture is God-breathed. It's like God just breathed it out of his mouth. Just as we breathe in air and breathe out air, Scripture is breathed out by God. It's God-breathed. What does that mean then, that it's God-breathed? Well, there's a couple of ways to look at this. And, and first of all, if we take the negative side, what it's not, what inspired is not. So let's consider that briefly. What we mean by inspired word is not what they call the dictation theory. Uh, out there, there is different theories, and, and one theory is the dictation theory. Now, that is the theory that says that, that God dictated word for word uh, to the authors of Scripture every little word that would be said. All right, so if that was the case, then what we would, we would, we would not have the, the kind of differences that are in Scripture, right? We do have, there are some passages where God is dictating. He's telling the apostles or telling the prophets, write this down. And they write it down word for word. Uh, Ezekiel, for an example, just in Ezekiel, he says, Son of man, write this. And Ezekiel writes what God says. Moses is another one. Moses talked face to face with God. And Moses, God would come to Moses and say, Moses, you write this down. And we see some places where God dictates the writing and they write it down word for word what God says. Uh, but we don't get that in all of Scripture. Uh, there's some places, for instance, we're reading one of Paul's letters. And when you read Paul's letters, his personality begins to come out. His use of language is different from, uh, say, what Peter writes or John writes. We, we get those kind of subtle differences. We get the personalities of those human authors. So we can't say that it's simply a, a dictation-type thing. It's pretty close. But it's not that. We, we don't believe that it is the dictation theory. We don't believe that God just simply said, all right, sit down here and write out this, and, and God just said it, and they just wrote down word for word. There was, it's something uh, different than that. Furthermore, and this is probably one that you'll hear more in our day, is the dynamic theory. The dynamic theory. Uh, the idea behind the dynamic theory is that God gave the basic idea to the human authors, and then the human authors kind of took that basic idea and just went on and developed that. Now, that's the one that we're probably going to face more and more in our day-to-day -day lives. We see that even on uh, secular TV. We see that with the liberal uh, denominations out there who like to receive all the ways of the world into the church, right? And they say that, well, God kind of gave this idea. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. And then the human authors then took it and, and they kind of just went from there. They kind of jumped off and just went from there. They kind of put their own thoughts there. So that the idea here is that so that what they wrote down, it, it was good for their day. 
But it's not really God's complete word. There's, there's lots of errors in it, and, and they kind of just did what was good for their day. That doesn't mean that it's, not good for, that it, that it's good for our day. And so with that idea, with that view of Scripture, then we can kind of take God's Word and twist it and turn it to make it mean what we want it to mean in our day. We can search for those basic ideas and then just apply them however we want to apply them. You see the problem there. If that's the way we approach it, we can make God's Word say anything that we want it to say. So we don't hold to that. That's not what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us something else. So now let's consider then what inspired is. What do we mean by God's inspired word? What we mean by God's inspired word that every word that is written down in Scripture is God's word. It's written there by human authors. God used human agents to get this word across. Uh, let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, and Peter kind of lays this out for us a little bit more. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, Peter says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. For no prophecy, that is no, none of, no word of God, from the prophets of old to the apostles' writings, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. So there takes out the dynamic theory. It wasn't just they, God gave them the idea and they kind of went from there. It was not produced by the will of man. The authors didn't just sit down and say, I want to write a book of the Bible, Let me get, let's go. But they were carried along. These men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't truly fully understand that, can we? I mean, we just can't understand that. But, but what, what he is saying here is that, that God somehow, some way, he worked in the hearts of the writers, the apostles and the prophets. He indwelt them. He worked in them. And he moved them to write Holy Scripture. And he moved them in such a way that even though they were still able to use their own uh, personalities, their own vocabulary sets, their own uh, their, their use of grammar, all of these things, they, they, those th things come out in Scripture as you study it. He, he used all of those things and moved them along so that as they wrote, every word that they wrote down is God's Word. Mysterious thing, isn't it? Such an amazing thing. This book that you have in your hands today, this didn't come about by the will of man. God moved men to write so that every word in this book is God's word. So what does that mean for us then? If this is God's word, if, if every word in this book is God's inspired word, what does that mean? First of all, it means that the Bible is inerrant. 
the Bible is inerrant. That, it, that means it's, it's without error. If God is inerrant, part of his characteristics, part of him being God, is God never makes a mistake. He never errors. And so if God never errors, then his word is inerrant. It has no errors. God's word is inerrant. The Bible is inerrant. Furthermore, it's infallible. The Bible is infallible. That means, simply means that it's dependable. It's unfailing. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, God says, My word shall not return to me void, or it shall not return empty. It will go out. It will accomplish its purpose. God's word will always accomplish what it sets out to accomplish. It's infallible. It's dependable, unfailing. And third, the Bible is authoritative. It's authoritative. That means that this book that we have before us carries the full authority of God. I want you to get that. It carries the full authority of God so that if we disobey the words of Scripture, we disobey God. We don't disobey Paul. We don't disobey Peter. We don't disobey Moses. We disobey God. It's his word, and it carries his authority. Uh, think about this. If, if David was going down to the youth department, and I, and I told David, David, tell Gabby when youth time is over to come to my office, and I'll be waiting for her there. Well, if David goes and tells Gabby what I said, that's not coming by David's authority, although that would be enough. But that's her dad's authority. That's her father's authority. So if she disobeys what David told her I said to do, then she would be disobeying her father. It's the same thing with God's word. If we disobey God's word, we're disobeying God, the one who created us, the one who gives us life, the one who gives us breath. It carries his full authority. So, if the Bible is God's inspired word, then as Paul points out here, the Bible is then profitable for salvation and sanctification. The Bible is profitable for salvation and sanctification. First of all, for salvation. That is, it leads us to faith in Christ. Notice what he says there. But for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how, you, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. God's Word, from the first chapter of Genesis all the way, all the way through the, to the last verse of Revelation, is meant to do one thing, to point us to Jesus Christ. It's meant to point us to Jesus Christ. Old Testament Scriptures point us forward to the cross of Christ. The New Testament Scriptures point us backwards to the cross of Christ. All of it is to bring us to Christ. It's not simply a, a book of rules for us to, to check off with God. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. No. All the rules there are to point us to Christ, to make us realize that without Christ, we are lost and damned to hell. All Scripture points us to Christ. It points us to Christ. John 5, 39 
Jesus says this, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. From beginning to end, this book is about Jesus. It's about God's plan of redemption through the cross of Jesus Christ. As you read through these, the pages of this book, you should be looking for Jesus. How is it pointing me to Jesus? How is it drawing me closer to Jesus? Because that's its purpose, to point us to Jesus. So the Bible is profitable for salvation that leads, to faith, leads us to faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Dear friends, if you want to lead somebody to Christ, just take them to the Word of God. Walk them through Scripture. Show them who Christ is in in Scripture. And God's Word will accomplish what it sets out to accomplish. Scripture is profitable for salvation, but it's also profitable for sanctification. It's profitable, profitable for sanctification. That is, it teaches us to be like Christ. That word sanctification, let's just let's define it quickly. To be sanctified just simply means to be holy. That's what sanctification means. It, it means to be holy, to, to grow in holiness. And in Christ Jesus, we are called to be holy as the Lord our God is holy. Uh, the scripture tells us that as we come to know Christ, that the Holy Spirit begins to indwell us and live within us. And as it lives within us, it's not just there to hang out. It's not just there to kind of give us this little guidance here and just tell us, you know, what we should do with our lives. It is there to to make us grow in the likeness of Christ, to work in us, to move us, so that we we don't stay in this this sinful state, this fleshly state, but so that we become more and more and more like Christ. And that's the ultimate goal of it all. I mean, that's why Christ came to die on the cross, to make us like Christ, to make us holy like God. Now, in this lifetime, we'll never be fully sanctified. We'll never be fully holy. No, it's a process. It's a work. And so we come to know Christ, and we we begin that journey And if you were to kind of graph this, that journey might look like something like this. It might go up a little bit, drop off a little bit because we have our stumblings and our failings. And and then it picks back up again and it goes up a little bit more. Then we we mess up. And and then we get back on track. And, you know, it's that way. It's up and down and up and down. But it's always got a projection upward towards Christ. Dear friends, if you're here today, and you have made a prayer somewhere along in your life, but your life has never changed. You haven't seen the work of the Holy Spirit in your life making you to be more and more like Christ, even with all the little ups and downs. You need to examine your heart. The Scripture tells us that we will be like Him. More and more. As life goes on, we will grow in likeness to Him. So if you've made a decision, if you've said a prayer, but nothing's changed in your life, you just kept on living life the way it was, a life of sin, 
need to examine your heart. God knows your heart, but you need to examine your heart and ask that question, do you truly know Jesus? Have you truly trusted in Him? Have you truly received Him as Lord of your life? Have you given yourself over to Him? The Word of God leads us to salvation in Christ. It leads us to the foot of the cross. And we're ultimately sanctified by His sacrifice on the cross. We trust in Him as we believe in Him. He covers us with His righteousness, His holiness, so that we can stand before God forgiven. But even as that power of the Holy Spirit cleanses us from sin in the righteousness of Christ, it also empowers us to become more and more and more like Christ. And we look for that day that Christ will return. And Scripture says that when He returns, we will meet Him in the air and we will become like Him because we will see Him. That means that at that, that point, that's when glorification happens. That's when we truly become sanctified and holy before God. We get rid of sin altogether. Until that day, we're working, we're working, seeking to become more and more like Christ. And the only way that we do that is digging into the Word of God. Seeking guidance in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit working in us as it teaches us in Holy Scripture. So, the Word of God is profitable for salvation, for sanctification, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. Therefore, if the Bible is inspired by God and is profitable for salvation and sanctification, then the Bible should be rigorously studied and applied. Here's where we, the rubber hits the road. Here's our application as we are coming to the new year. This is why I wanted to preach this today because we are here in the new year. We're, we're starting over again, right? We, we begin to make New Year's resolutions of, of what we want to do in the year so that our life will be better, so we'll be healthier. So we, we make a commitment to go to the gym and to diet and do all of these things. But what about your spiritual health? What commitment have you made today for your spiritual health? Commit today to studying and applying Scripture. Because Scripture is God's holy and inspired Word and profitable for salvation and sanctification, then the Bible should be rigorously studied and applied. Here in our passage here, this is, this is really what Paul is getting at in this verse. There in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Continue, that word continue there, it's an imperative verb. That is, it's a voice of command. That's what Paul is telling him. He's not just suggesting to Timothy, Timothy, you might want to continue. No, he's saying, continue. This is his command, continue. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Persist in it. And so we get that today, that we should rigorously study and apply Scripture in our lives. What Paul is telling us, 
Even as he is telling this young man, Timothy. So how then, how then do we study and apply Scripture? First of all, there is this, that we need to take in the Bible. The first step of studying Scripture is to take it in, to, to put it into our brain housing group, as we used to say in the Marine Corps. We want to put it into our minds. We want to get it in there. So how do we take in Scripture? Well, one way is what you're doing right now. You're hearing it. As I stand here and I expound God's Word before you, you are hearing God's Word. You're taking it in. You're, you're learning from it, hopefully, here today. And so hearing it is one very important way that we take in Scripture. And I want you to be committed this year to, to be in church week in, week out, to come hear the Word of God. So that it can be used in your life and applied to your life and, and change your life as you seek to be like Christ. Hear the Word. Second, you read the Word. You read the Word. Now, we have here, where did I put it? Uh, put it somewhere. Well, you have there in your, I don't know what I do with mine, but uh, you have there in your, your uh, bulletin, oh, here it is. It was under something. Here you have in your bulletin a yearly uh, Bible reading plan. Pretty simple. You just wake up on the day it says, and you, and you begin to read all the places that it says. You can even, it, it's kind of cut out here so that you can, you can cut along those dotted lines there and, and use these as bookmarks in all those different places. So you, you read every day from four different places in the Bible, and you can put these as bookmarks in those four different places and just, just go along with it. And this will take you through the Bible in a year, through the whole Bible in a year, just reading every day from different places, from the Gospels and Epistles, uh, Chronicles and the Prophets, the Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Bible and the history of Israel, and then through the Psalms and Proverbs, the wisdom literature and, and that sort of thing. So you can, you can kind of go through it that way. Now, you don't have to follow this plan. There's a lot of plans out there. There's even Bibles that they make. For example, I've got a Bible at home that's a, the chronological uh, Bible reading plan in it so you just go by day by day and, and you see how the word the word of God is laid out chronologically in history uh, there's other ways to do it if you're a new believer a new follower of Christ that might be a little much for you you might want to start out by reading the New Testament in a year and, and so if, if that interests you we've got that program too if you want to come by and get that we can give that to you as well so Whatever it is, make a plan. If you haven't made it already, make a plan. That's the important thing. If you don't have a plan, you won't follow a plan. You just kind of, you may do it for a day or two and then you drop off. But make a plan. Make a plan to read Scripture, to get it into your head this next year. Read Scripture. So we hear Scripture, we read Scripture, but we also need to study Scripture. You need to study Scripture. It's not just enough just to read it. You need to dig in a little bit deeper. So this program takes you through reading Scripture. So you're just sitting down and you're reading it. But then take a moment every day, a few days a week, and focus your efforts on, say, a book or two or whatever you want to do. And just kind of zone in on it and really you know, read it and read it and read it and begin to study it to understand it more deeply. You might get a, a study Bible to help you in the study of, of, a, of a 
section of scripture, something like that. But do something to kind of dig in a little bit deeper, not just kind of reading over it, but study it. Ask questions of it. What's Paul saying here? How's this letter laid out? And what's, he's, what's he telling Timothy? Begin to study it and dig into it and get that deeper understanding of it. And then memori- memorization and meditation. Memorization and meditation. Begin to memorize Scripture. It may be a verse a week, or it may be a, a couple of verses a month, whatever you can do. I know there, there's different people that can uh, do different things. And so uh, just find what you're comfortable with and begin to memorize Scripture so that it's in your mind, so that when you're out and about in the world and you're faced with trials and tribulations, you don't have to run back home and, and grab your Bible and say, what does God say about this? You, you have some verses there in your mind that you can just pull up and, oh, well, God says this. So this is how I need to address that. Begin to memorize it and, and meditate on it. Think about it throughout your day. So take in the Bible. Second, we need to teach the Bible. Teach the Bible. The best way to learn the Bible is to teach it. That's true of anything. If you want to learn a subject uh, the best you can, uh, make a point to teach it to someone else. You need to teach the Bible. And first of all, you need to teach it at home. You need to teach the Bible at home. Uh, Scripture commands us to do this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 God tells us that, that we're to, to keep the Word. We're to have it before us always. It's to be with us. Let me just flip over there real quick and, and, and quote that to you. You shall teach these words. Let me go back to verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. That's a commandment for us as parents to teach our children day in and day out the Word of God. Parents, commit to spending at least one night a week one night a week, just in family devotion. It doesn't have to be something big and programmed. Just pick up the Bible and, and read a passage and, and talk about it while you have supper together. Uh, commit to teaching your, your children at home the Word of God. And, and look for teachable moments. That's what he's talking about when he says uh, when you rise and when you go to bed, when you, when you sit in your houses or when you walk by the way. You, you look for teachable moments even in the day. You know, sometimes when we're, we're just driving down the road, we'll, we'll come across a, a topic and we'll just begin to, to look what Scripture says about that. The other night, Gabby and I, were, we went to see Star Wars, the new Star Wars movie. And, and as we drove back home, we took a moment to talk about uh, the difference between the God of Star Wars, the Force, right, and our God. That impersonal force that can be used and manipulated to accomplish a goal and the personal God that we serve who's not to be used and manipulated who is sovereign and loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. 
So just find those moments to, to talk with your children, those teachable moments to dig into God's Word together. Teach the Word at home and then outside the home. Make disciples. We're called to make disciples of all nations. Find someone who is uh, younger in the faith than you are and begin to teach them God's Word. Study it together. Begin to work through it together. So teach the Bible. Teach it at home and teach it outside and then finally apply the bible apply the bible that's pretty simple you know, if we just study it and study it and study it never apply it we've done no good satan he is the wisest bible student there ever was he studied it more than any of us have ever studied it he's been studying it for centuries upon centuries upon centuries satan is an avid student of the bible he knows it from front to back, but he is lost. He is a rebel against God. You can study it, never apply it to your life. You need to look at the scriptures and say, how does this change my life? What do I need to do in response to God's word? Apply scripture. One way that we see that we apply scripture even today that we can be resolved to study the Bible. We can be resolved today to study God's Word. You make that commitment today. We live in a time filled with trials, filled with temptations. The world wants us to turn our back against God. The world wants us to put Scripture aside. You can read that at home, but don't bring it into public life. And if, we don't, if we're not in God's Word, studying God's Word, we can easily be led astray. Resolve today. Make a commitment today to give yourself to the study and the application of God's Word. Because the Bible is God's inspired Word and is profitable for salvation and sanctification, study it with all your might. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You that You have given us Your Word so that we can know You more deeply, more intimately. And so, Lord, that we know the salvation that only you provide. We thank you for your word. And thank you for the word, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins on the cross. And who was raised again so that we might have that hope of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for pointing us to him. So that we can be saved. By your grace, through faith in Him. Oh Lord, may we be diligent students of your word. This I ask in Christ's name. Amen.